Well, good morning, Vineyard Church family. If we've not had the chance to meet, my name is Kurt. I serve as lead pastor here at the Vineyard, and I am excited about what is in front of us as a church family this summer. We're going to spend 10 weeks teaching through the book of Acts. Now, we won't cover every part of the book, but we want to encourage you, if you do not have a plan for how to engage with God and his presence for you in Scripture, to consider reading the book of Acts this summer. It is a book in the New Testament, and it looks at the early church, how the move of God kind of continues through the empowering work of the Spirit, following the life, the death, the resurrection, and the ascension of Jesus. And um, we are thrilled to be studying this together. And what we're going to see about the early church is this. They lived as a credible witness to the kingdom of God in their day and time. In their context and in their cities and among their friends and neighbors and co-workers and uh, among all the challenges that they were probably facing, the early church lived as a credible witness. And what I love is it's the same invitation to us today, in our day and in our time and in the places we are around other human beings. The question of the church is, will we embody the way of Jesus? Will we embody the life of God's kingdom in a way that is credible to those around us? The other thing that I love about the early church is they lived sent on mission. They lived as a community sent on mission. And that's exactly who we believe we are called to be still today. And so my hope is that we'll draw life from the scriptures, we'll see the invitation of God, because what we have a deep desire of is to see God's kingdom come. Anybody look forward to heaven? A couple of us. A couple of us. The thing that's really compelling to me about Jesus is Jesus invites us to a life that is not just an escaping where one day you will get that good thing, but that it is an embodying of heaven here and now in the midst of the tension, in the midst of things that are unheavenly, we are being invited to be people who more and more and more are transformed by the reality of heaven in us and through us. We long to see God's kingdom come. We long to see things made right, to see justice flow, to see mercy extended, to see healing where it's needed. We want the rule and reign of God in greater measure here and now. And we say, let your kingdom come. In the book of Acts, we will see how a real people lived out their faith in Jesus. But here's the good news. I'm going to just spoiler alert right now. It is not by their strength. It is not by their power. It is not by their wisdom. It is not by their amazing religiosity. It is not by anything other than their humility to receive and live by the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Okay, let's try this again. It is, it is not, like, this is the good news. This is good news for us because what we see is, I hear people go, oh, man, the early church had it figured out. And they were figuring it out. They were doing a new thing that was the faithful thing of God through time, a God present to people, and they just said, come Holy Spirit. 
If that is the promise of Jesus, we will wait and live out that promise. We will be a people, not by might, not by our power, not by reaching for authority, but we will come under the authority of Christ and we will say, fill us with your Holy Spirit and we will live obedient to that way and we will watch God do what God does. It's good news. It's good news today. What we see in this faith journey, there are three kind of key facets that we're going to watch unfold in the scriptures. We're going to watch unfold among the early church, and I hope that we'll watch them expand into greater reality in our life here and now, and it's this. You're going to see life with God. The early followers, the first followers, the disciples of Jesus who continued the ministry of Jesus had a deep and meaningful life with God. They share a beautiful life with others. They live into the communal work of the kingdom, the communal spirit of the kingdom, the reality that it is about what God is doing among us. And they lived life on mission. They didn't separate their faith from their life. They infused and lived fully into their life because of their faith. Life with God, life with others, and life on mission. Here's another way to see it in the scriptures as you're reading this summer, which I think we're all going to do. It's deeply personal. We see a God who is deeply personal from beginning to end. The work of the kingdom is completely communal. Completely communal. It involves us walking together. It involves us extending love and mercy to others. It, in, it, it, it involves forgiveness so that relationships can be whole and right and be a model of what God is up to in the earth. And it is transformational. It's transformational. It should be changing us from the inside out. It should be changing us so that we're then joining the transformational work of God in the cities we love. There is no space that God is not reaching with his love. There are no people left out of the reach and move of the Spirit. Deeply personal, it's completely communal, and it is highly transformational. But by whose power? God's power. By your power? Like, is your homework to go home and be more religious this week? To strive harder? To get it done better? No, no, and we're going to see that in Acts 1. So if you want to turn with me in the scriptures, you're welcome to do that. If uh, you have a digital device, we like the YouVersion Bible app. It is free. It will give you scripture daily, but it will be on the screen as well. And we're going to be in Acts 1, and we're going to read verses 1 through 11, because we are going to see that it is not by your efforts alone. It is the work of God for you, in you, and through you. And so check out what the scriptures say to us. And so I don't forget, because I'm gonna, I just, I just going to move too quickly if I'm not careful. I want to give us three questions to ask as we read the scriptures. And this is, a, this is not like the only way to read the scriptures, but it does give you one way to read the scriptures, especially this summer when you're reading through the book of Acts, maybe with a friend. The first thing is this, ask, what does this say about God? Is there some quality or characteristic that I can see God being revealed in this passage. So what does it say about God? What does this tell me about people? And that might be me, people. It might be the general kind of collective of people. But 
what do I see the scriptures saying about humanity and the heart of humanity and the challenge of being human? And the last is, what is the Holy Spirit speaking to me about transformation? How do I live maybe a new way? How do I live a faithful way? How do I live a Holy Spirit-transformed way? So God, people, and then Spirit, all right? So maybe let's try that together this morning. Acts 1, verse 1. In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach. So what have we already learned? The author of this book had a former book. That's the Gospel of Luke. Luke wrote the book of Luke and also this book. I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering... He presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. After he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a, cl and a cloud hid him from their sight. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going, when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why do you stand here looking into the sky? The same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go into heaven. All right, let's just try to be present to the scriptures and to the work of God together for just a second. As I'm reading the scriptures right now, I'm experiencing the presence of God. Maybe you are too. Maybe that's new language for you, but what I am drawn into is this, this is like an amazing 11 verses. An amazing 11 verses. We see the entire Trinity. What does this tell us about God? The Father is in the midst. Jesus, the Son, is in the midst. God, the Holy Spirit, is in this text. We get invited to this relational God and every part of the Trinity doing their part and engaging with us for the work of of the kingdom. Now just put yourself there. We'll talk about people. We'll talk about people in this text. They're trying to figure it out. They're trying to make sense of everything. This Jesus who they had walked with, who was crucified and buried and risen, is giving convincing proofs. Why? Why did Jesus have to give convincing proofs? Because as humans we doubt hard to believe sometimes. We want to make sense of everything. 
I don't know. What would you say? And then they're there at the ascension, and they're like looking up going, what just happened? Would you be a little shocked? Maybe just, I guess just me. I mean, these are remarkable things. And here's what, I, here's what I love about the human heart. They just, want it to be, they just want it to end. They just want it to be made right and done. And they're like, hey, Jesus, uh, when is God restoring the kingdom of Israel, our people? Like, is it now? Like, is it all finished now? Is it done now? They are worried about timelines. They are worried about outcomes. Anybody? Man, I worry about timelines and outcomes all the time. All the time. And I'm invited to trust the God who holds it all. I am invited. Oh, this is good news. This is good news. You are invited. You are invited into this story. And so I want us to see in this scripture. There's so much that you could go back and underline, and there's so much you could pay attention to. And here's what I want us to see. It says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses. There is this work that God is doing for his followers that says, my followers will point to me. My followers will tell about me. My followers will witness to the life, the death, the resurrection, the power and authority of King Jesus. You will be the witnesses. This is the work of the church. And that we witness out of the presence of the living God with us. We witness out of the presence of God meeting us and showing us the way. We witness out of our life story. And so check this out. Our witness is hope-filled and kingdom-oriented. Our witness is hope-filled and kingdom-oriented. You might go, where did you get that, Kurt? It's in the scriptures. Listen to this. It says this. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. If the last things Jesus is teaching about is the kingdom of God, I think those are things worth focusing on. Would you agree? So he spoke about the kingdom of God, which means our witness is to the king and his kingdom. And then it says this, why is it hope-filled? Why would it be a hope-filled witness? Verse 11, men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Because that's where heaven is, right? Heaven's up there somewhere. This same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way. This is good news. The hope we have is that the living, resurrected Jesus is coming back to do what? Make all things right. To make all things new. To do the thing that our heart longs for, which is heaven here and now. A new heaven and a new earth. This is the proclamation that launches the early church into the mission of God after Jesus' life his death and resurrection. 
It is the kingdom of God that God is ruling, that Jesus now sits with the Father and is praying for, and his authority is alive and at work, and the ministry of the Holy Spirit has been poured out on the church. So let me just tell you, if you've been around church, anybody been around church for a while? I grew up in church. I've been around church for a long time. And sometimes there are these inside conversations about church. If you are new to church, I'm so glad you're here. You are actually an answer to prayer. And so there's this thing that if you're not familiar with church, this might be completely confusing to you, and it's okay. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we often talk about what we're going to see in Acts 2, so come back next week, about speaking in tongues. That the Holy Spirit will fall on the early church, and they'll begin to speak in other languages. So we get hung up on stuff like that. We get hung up on stuff like that. Like, well, is that okay or not? Or do we do that or not? And we think about all these other things about the Holy Spirit. Here's what I want you to know. The Holy Spirit is poured out on the church because it is the promise of God. It's the promise of God. It is the promise of God. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father promised. So as we talk about being witness, what I want us to see is that what we are doing is receiving the gift from God and the promise from God so we can live out the life God intends us to live. We don't want to resist the Holy Spirit. We want to receive the Holy Spirit. And it's the only way the church will actually witness in the way God intended us to witness. We need the Holy Spirit more now than ever. If we are going to witness to the kingdom of God and the hope that God is at work making all things new, then we need to receive the promise of God, which is the presence, the part of the Trinity that has been poured out on the church. And it's not just for when we gather in a place like this. It is for when we actually depart a place like this. It might be easy to live and experience and be in the presence of God with other believers, but it is actually our need for the Holy Spirit when we are scattered and sent and in the midst of all the pressure and all the pain and all the pressure and all the responsibility and all the pressure. Anybody? Just me. Man, I'm just preaching to myself today. I'll just turn and just do this, right? There are so many people more brilliant than me who have studied this. And I'm going to use their words. One of them is William Williman, and he puts it this way about our witness in the church. He says, when the disciples gather after Easter, they do so as those who wait and question. This faith journey for us will have more waiting than we want and more questions than we'll get answered. So bring them. Bring them. Bring your questions into the presence of God. Embrace the weight. What they know of what has happened in the resurrection is the source of their hope, but also of their yearning. They want Christ to fulfill his promise of restoration, to finish the work begun. When, they ask, as the recipients of their Lord's instruction and as witnesses to his death and resurrection, they know that the decisive battle has been fought and won but not yet. 
Now in the meantime, they wait as those who are still dependent upon the Father's faithfulness, those who have no control over the timetable of a beneficent God who graciously allows enough time to accomplish the work begun in Jesus. This time between the Ascension and Pentecost was once designated by Karl Barth as a significant pause. Between the mighty acts of God, a pause in which the church's task is to wait and to pray. But their waiting is not empty-handed. They wait in hope. As those who know that their master has been taken up, where he is exalted at the right hand of God. After the ascension, when Christians speak of God, they must also speak of Christ. For Christ now reigns with God the Father. The followers of Christ know that the one who served, taught, and loved them now rules for them. But this knowledge is no smug gnosis of the privileged first few. It is a knowledge which demands a witness. If it is good news for you, it demands we share the best news our life has ever received. It demands a witness. Thus, in the meantime, they are given a job to do and will have power with which to do it. The time between Easter and the restoration of the kingdom is the gracious interim for witness. For witness. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be really clear. It is not your job to go save the world. I did not say it is a gracious time for conversion, although that happens when we receive the love of God and we step into relationship with God. We do not get to control the outcomes. We do not get to manipulate people or force them or change them. That is the work of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. It is our job to tell the story of transformation in our own souls. It is the job of the church to tell the humility of our hearts that we need a God who's good. We need a God who saves. We need a God who forgives. It is our job to witness to the kingdom of God and the hope we are finding. To witness, to tell the story that continues today. So in this period of witness, we do so with promise, we do so with purpose, and we do so with possibility. Don't you love that? Promise, purpose, and possibility. The Father has promised the Holy Spirit, God with us. God with us. This means you can experience the presence of God everywhere you go, anytime you need. You just have to ask. And the scriptures say that the Father will give generously to you. The promise of the Holy Spirit is for the early church. Acts 1.8. I'm going to say it a few more times. It says this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in all of Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Here's what I want you to know about the promise of the Holy Spirit. It is God's heart for you. God wants to be close to you. God wants to have communion with you. God wants to have a relationship with you that unfolds every minute of every day. God with us. It is the promise. Are you experiencing that promise in the fullness of how God intends it? Every day. The last nine weeks for me have come with some very unexpected things. And I have prayed a prayer in the morning when I'm coming out of my sleep way earlier than I want to. And I just noticed the only thing my heart could, try, could cry out in the first prayers of the morning was this, Holy Spirit, I need you. 
And it wasn't some courageous prayer. It wasn't some, you know, I'm a pastor prayer. It was, I am tired and sad. I need your presence today. I need your power today. Or I will be worthless today. It is the promise of God to be with us with whatever is going on. God wants to be close to you. It's personal. The promise. The promise. Now here's the purpose. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is that God is reaching for humanity. God is reaching for you. And is the work of the Holy Spirit to draw you into a loving relationship with God? Is the work of the Holy Spirit to seek and save the lost, those who are hurting and broken? The work of the Holy Spirit is to welcome everybody home to the kingdom of God, where they were created and intended to live fully and freely. It is a promise, but there is great purpose. And the purpose of the Holy Spirit is to inspire a loving witness that looks like God, sounds like God, is embodied like God in the church. God is love. God is at work. God is alive. It should look like that in the church. That we would know God and that God is dwelling with us and empowering us. And so what I think we have to understand about witness is that this purpose of the Holy Spirit is that we could spend more time in God's presence. Right now, we can experience God's presence. Tuesday, when you're, when you're at work, but you're a little tired of being at work, you can experience God's presence. When you're driving in a wonderful commute, you can experience God's presence. Every part of your life, See, we can't live this split. I've got my faith thing over here, and I've got my life thing over here. That's not the work and the way of God's kingdom. It is to say my life is fully immersed in God because that's how much I need every day. The purpose is that our life would begin to to tell of the glory of God and the goodness of God and the way of God to the people around us. We would be like Jesus. It says Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit, and Jesus was in the power of the Holy Spirit. That's how we get to live. It's good news. So here's what I want you to know. In order for this to actually work, we have to create space in our life for the Holy Spirit. The early church had to wait, but we live in a culture and a day and time where everything is moving really fast. Anybody feel like that? I've been reflecting on how normal it is to live overwhelmed. Overbooked, overscheduled, overhurried, overextended, overbudget. See, we live in such a normal life that we can't even see how exhausting it is and how it squeezes the spirit to the edges and it squeezes time with God out of our rhythms. Jesus said to the other church, I want you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, but what do you have to do? You have to wait. 
So we need to make space to wait in the morning, to wait in the midday, to wait in the evening, to wait for the Spirit to come. So some ways you can do that is to increase space for prayer. That doesn't mean you have to say anything more. It just means we have to get present to God and maybe a little more quiet. So pray. And all it is is making room for God's presence to come and for our awareness of God to increase. I would actually say God is probably fully present. I'm unaware. (laughs) We want to wait on God. We want to receive from God. The scriptures are a great way to connect with God's presence. A verse a day, some amount of time per day, listen to audio Bible, read the Bible, use an app, get an email, any possible way you can possibly experience the word of God, go for it. It should be good for you. It should be good for you. And then what I love is the possibility of our witness. I love the possibility of our witness. I just want you to dream with me for a second. In real time, we are here gathered today around a story of a person who lived and died. And there was credible witness to the resurrection of Jesus. And there were convincing proofs given by Jesus to the early church. We are the fruit of witness. This is good news. And we live in a day and a time where I recognize it's a unique moment because even the thought of being a Christian witness can feel complicated right now. But it's always been complicated. There's always been persecution. There's always been confusion. There's always been a spiritual battle in every day and time. There is a faithful God, full of love and faithfulness full of kindness and compassion. Do you know him? Is that the the embodied presence of God is kindness and compassion, mercy and justice? And I actually think that's what the longing of the human soul is around us. See, the possibility of our witness is that in a witness of the church, hope is multiplied. Hope is multiplied because it is not restricted to a single room or a single gathering. It says, wait, and you will receive power, and you will be my witness. And that witness is in Jerusalem, outside the room where they gathered. It spills into the streets. In all of Judea and Samaria, we're getting across ethnic lines and you know, geopolitical lines and socioeconomic lines. The kingdom of God is reaching across every boundary the human heart might set and the human will might oppose against another to the ends of the earth because the love of God is for all to know and receive. And so we live in a place that was not founded when this promise was poured out. Fairyland's not that old. I love my city. I love the cities that surround us. But we have to recognize the work of God was going long before and will go into all of eternity. Will you witness to what God has done in your life?
Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What I see are these expanding circles of witness. It's got to be deeply personal. I've got to encounter, taste, and see, and experience if I'm going to witness to anything. I can't witness to something I've never seen. I can't witness to something I don't know. They would ask me, well, tell us about Jesus. I don't know him. My witness would be short and not compelling. But I have experienced the presence of God. I'm learning a peace that meets me in the midst of my anxiety. I'm discovering a love that reminds me I'm not ultimately responsible for everything, even though everything inside of me tries to tell me that I am. I'm learning the grace of friends who come alongside and will check on you and pray for you when you need it most. I'm learning how to experience forgiveness because anytime forgiveness is needed, guess what? Something bad happened. Something was messed up. Somebody was hurt. The heart inside of me longs for people who are sick to be healed. That is the good news of the kingdom. That there is actually a source for life. There's a source for healing. There is a source for all that is good. And that source has been poured out onto the church by the power and presence of the living God. So maybe your circles of witness need to start with you personally experiencing God. And then it moves to your roommates, a.k.a. your spouse, or your kid, or your college roommate. Maybe it moves to your teammate or your coworker. Maybe it moves to your neighborhood. Maybe it moves to a city. Maybe for you it actually moves you to the ends of the earth. Because for me it moved me to Pearland, a place I did not grow up in. See, that, that beautiful story of the kingdom is that it continues to multiply. And it moves with people as they are obedient to the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Multi-generational. I love watching my kids invite their friends. I love watching your teens invite their friends. It's multi-generational. It is multi-ethnic. Just stay with us. The book of Acts is beautiful. The ethnos are there. It's multicultural. It is multi-expression. A community sent on mission multiplies the witness. It will require all of us. So I want to try an illustration to see if we can see how easy this is. I need two brave souls who will take this mic and hold it close to their chin and answer two questions that I'm going to ask you on stage. I just need two. I need two people to come up. Now we're going, okay, all the extroverts, I've just shrunk the room. The introverts are like, no, thank you. And now you're going to be like, I don't want to judge that person because they're, they're ready to be on TV. I mean, we're like, it's a live studio right now. I just need two, two brave souls. I need one brave soul. Okay, come on. I got one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Come on. Rhonda, come. Hyde, come. Y'all cheer for them. This is awesome. You can hop up. You can come around. Okay. Four, four, here, stand here, face there. This is great. Okay, for, for uh, integrity's sake, did you know I was going to call you up? No. Okay. All right. Y'all say hi to Rhonda. Hello. <laughs> Rhonda's amazing. Okay, here's my question. Did you eat any delicious food this weekend? Yes. Okay. So we're gonna, I'm going to stay with you. You're going to hear the questions in advance, so you'll come oh, ready. Oh, okay. Okay, so hold it real close. All right there. There you go. 
you ate delicious food. What was the most delicious thing you ate this weekend? Uh, the restaurant or the food? The food. Just describe the food for us. Chicken from Maggiano's. Chicken from Maggiano's. <laughs> was there anything else with the chicken? Asparagus and potatoes. Asparagus and potatoes, okay. All right. Hyde, your turn. Did you eat any delicious food this weekend? Yes, I did, Kurt. What did you eat, Hyde? I had a steak. Ooh. How do you cook your steak? Medium. Okay. Ribeye. Oh, I heard a couple people. Okay. So this is <laughs> real simple. Did anybody here, Rhonda, talk about chicken and asparagus and potatoes, and you think, I'd like to try that meal? <laughs> hands are going up. Not every hand, some hands. Some people are like, asparagus are gross. Okay? <laughs> That's okay. All right, some hands went up. Okay, then when you heard Hyde say ribeye, I heard the, yeah, I heard you. How many people thought ribeye sounds good? I'll take that. Other hands are going up. Okay. It was an emotional testimony. It was an emotional testimony. <laughs> okay. This, this is how we witness. <laughs> this is it. Because when you share about the ribeye that you experienced on the weekend, that you had fresh food, a nice meal, there are people in your life that will go, tell me more about that meal. Can we share that meal? I would like to have that meal with you. And then what's beautiful about the way this worked is we actually had a different witness of a different kind of food. Some of you are like chicken for life, right? You're the thought of eating a ribeye steak is like disgusting to you, right? This is how we witness. You witness to things all the time. Can you all cheer for them? That was perfect. That was it. That was all I needed. The thing that's interesting is there's, there's nothing on the line when I talk about the food or I take a picture and I put it on my IG. Just like, oh, this is just my life. I'm just sharing my life with people. Everything is on the line in the spiritual battle. Everything is. And so there's this opposition that you will feel because it is a kingdom battle. It feels like there's maybe persecution or if I say something, am I going to be offensive? Here's what the thing. We get, it's offensive when you talk about somebody else. It's offensive when you judge somebody else. Like it would have been offensive if Rhonda had looked at Hyde and said, medium, gross. I can't believe you eat your steak that way. And if Hyde had gone like, asparagus? <sighs> Loser. Like, but that's actually what I think we believe is happening in the witness. It's judgment. It's like anger. It's hate. That is not the kingdom. That is not the kingdom of God, and that is not hope. That is not the promise and the purpose of the Holy Spirit. I just want to like prove my point further of why it's good to interact with Scripture every day. The YouVersion Bible app, today. I have no authority with YouVersion. I am not sponsored by YouVersion. I get nothing from YouVersion. This is literally the verse today. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance or patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control against such things, there is no law. Life in the Spirit and letting the Spirit bear fruit is freedom. There is no law, there is no pain, there is no religiosity. It is in that posture of living full of God's presence, we will bear the fruit of witness that everybody needs, including me, including me.
Let's stand together as a community. Can you all cheer again for our brave friends who came on stage? We believe prayer is essential in witness. Prayer is essential. In my own life, prayer has been the place, prayer has been the place that I have undeniably encountered God. And then I have to just deal with that reality. I have to deal with my own undeniable experiences of the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. And I'll tell you, it's really good news. So if you're newer to the vineyard, what we like to do at the end is just take some time to pray. We just want to ask the Holy Spirit to come, and if the scriptures are real, we want to be that kind of people that will wait and receive. This is also a chance where we can bring our own lives that we've walked in with. You know what's going on in ways that I don't. And you can just say, God, I actually need this today. I need to know that you personally want relationship with me. I maybe am here today and I need healing. My body is failing me. My mind and emotions have felt overwhelmed. I need you to make things right. So we're just going to ask God to come. And here's the, here's the risky thing. The risky thing is to not be in control. God is in control. We like to be God. We like to reach for control. But to receive the gift of God says something pretty significant. What it says is, I'm not God. It's humility. And it's also just the capacity to say, I'm a needy person. I'm a tired person. I'm a broken person. I'm a sinful person. I, God, I am not you, and so I just need to receive from you. God, the longing in my heart is to be faithful to you, and the only way I can do that is by your presence and power filling me. So we just say, come Holy Spirit. We just ask for you to begin to meet needs in the room in ways that only you can. We want to learn how to wait on you. We genuinely, we want to witness to the good news of the kingdom. We want to witness to the hope that is found in Jesus. So we say, come. There's a couple things I want to pray. I just want to give you the chance to respond, and, and we don't want to. You can just do this right where you are, but, but two things that often get in the way of witness are shame and fear. Shame and fear. Shame is not from God. Fear says God's perfect love casts out fear. And so if you've just been experiencing fear and shame in your own life, in your faith journey, feeling like you're not enough, or what if I speak up, or what if I say this, or what if I say that, I just, God, I pray right now that you would come and just by your Holy Spirit, you would just begin to set people free. The fruit of the Spirit are not shame and fear. The fruit of the Spirit are not shame and fear. And so we pray for those things to go in Jesus' name. If that just makes sense to you, just know that's an invitation from God. He wants his love to be poured into your life. God, we pray for opportunities this week to witness, to tell the delicious story of your life, that fresh bread that we've experienced in the word, that fresh word that we've experienced in prayer, that real encounter we've had with you, that real meal and experience of the kingdom of God. We pray that there would be chances this week to share, to witness to our own life with you. This was my life before God. This is how I, God was revealed to me, and this is 
how I'm experiencing God walk with me now. And so I just pray that you would open up those opportunities with family and friends, with coworkers, with neighbors, God. Would you allow our circles of witness to begin to expand this week? Give us eyes to see you. Give us eyes to see the love you have for people and let us testify of the love that we've personally experienced. God, we bless your church. We do pray that we would wait on you, we would see you moving this week, and I pray that over the weeks to come, our, our sense of yes to the Holy Spirit, our joining as witness, that possibility of witness would begin to expand in our lives in ways we've never fully seen before, but we would see you in the scriptures, we would see your spirit poured out, and we would faithfully respond as an embodied, credible witness to the goodness of God, the love of God, and the glory of God. So pour your spirit out on your church in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.